my goodness me. Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of Grassroots, the leading podcast focused on women's rugby from the roots up. In the seventh tournament of an episode, Jodie gets another intimate injury, discuss Matt's ridiculous navigational fail for a cricket match, and we welcome in the seventh season. We also discuss pre-season training, and we use ChatGPT to write a team talk with impressive results. Sherry is still missing an action, while he loses a toenail, and we get ready for the Grassroots Festival. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. I'm Goose. I'm Lou. I'm Molly. I'm Joyce. And I'm Jodie. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. really sorry I'm late but I didn't actually think I'd be late because we've got a couple of scenarios that play out <laughs> normally getting a glass of wine or eating food and is always late on batty time Louise is either in the diner or just generally dicking about getting wine cold <laughs> Goose can't dial up to a fucking internet so he's always late and uh, Jodie's normally having a wank so <laughs> I came on time if I took all those scenarios into account I was on time ready to go and you'd all done your business well jody clearly you came on time as well because she was actually in the recording at 7 30 yes and she forgot to charge a a wedding yeah because i came on time yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you want to hear about epic lateness let me tell you about my saturday afternoon (laughs) does it involve golf or cricket story time with (laughs) saturday afternoon selected to play cricket for worcester village first team an honour, I may say. Haven't they only got one no, team? two teams. And a Sunday casuals team. Um, <laughs> yeah. Three whole teams. And, oh, and a midweek 2020 team, which I also get picked for. Anyway. So I was running a little bit late as usual. So I logged into Facebook to see where the game was. It's right. Wisterson Village cricket team against Burton. Got to be there for one o'clock. So I need to leave for just after... 11 basically because we have a bit of a warm-up and all that kind of stuff anyway got in the car got on the road put the sat nav in for burton on trent drove down the my the a500 a50 big traffic jam got stressed accidentally managed bear in mind it was a hot day i was getting a bit stressed with being late i managed to accidentally hit the the butt heater on my car seat so <laughs> i was getting more and more hot and sweaty getting more and more aggro it's because i turned the heater on on the, on the seat on my car so i was basically getting cooked alive whilst i was driving i normally anyway, do that for shits and giggles when you're yeah, not looking yeah exactly you actually did it by accident but anyway exactly got to burton on train got to the cricket club didn't recognize anybody there didn't recognize any of the cars load of guys playing cricket i was a little bit like i was like guys um is this Wisterson village like as if I probably should have known that, but I didn't know anybody. No, this isn't us. Oh, there's another cricket club a couple of miles down. You must have gone to the wrong one. Yeah, no problem. Anyway, I drove uh, like half a mile or whatever it was to another cricket club, got there. Equally, nobody there I recognised at all. And it suddenly struck me, bear in mind there was no phone reception as well, which would make it even more painful. It suddenly struck me that maybe there's more than one Burton. So, of course, there's a Burton <laughs> in Cheshire, which is near Ellesmere Port. And I'd driven to Burton on Trent. <laughs> so. Yeah, I stuck it in the sat nav, and it, I had to drive. It's basically two and a half hours. I had to drive to get to a cricket match. By this point, I was well three hours late. Essentially, missed half the match. Did you bowl or bat? Why you say three hours late, and then he missed half the match? Fucking cricket! 
Yeah, but obviously with cricket, like because you 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 bat and then you bowl, right? So I'm a bowler, so really, what I don't have a lot to do when we're batting other than just wait to to bat. So I got there, and because of the rules of cricket, we were fielding first. I wasn't allowed to bowl because you have to, if you you have to wait five overs for every five overs you miss. I basically missed thirty overs. Out so, of the and then the worst part match. of the story is forty five each way. Okay. So. <laughs> Basically, what a waste of yeah, exactly. Then I then I got into bat and it, I was starting to bat quite well and like just generally getting a good feel for it. And then it rained and then the game was called off. Complete. This fast. is why cricket is just like it's great. I love cricket. Twenty twenty is great, but actually calling a game off because of rain, at least with rugby, you know, unless it's like either frostbite or snow, you're probably going to play. I mean, we still played. <laughs> If it was yeah. rugby, Matt, you'd have basically just turned up for the drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what he was hoping for. That's true. Isn't that standard battle? If it was rugby, there'd hopefully be a sub. You don't, you're not allowed subs in cricket. It's because you all sit around doing nothing so, for most of the yeah. game. Yes, Goose. <laughs> it's all right. My brother's a cricket player. I'm allowed to take the piss. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so first um, sevens tournament then. I must admit, when I saw the pictures of you all looking like you're about to have heat stroke, I did laugh <laughs> a little bit. What was it like? Hot. Honestly, that ground was so solid. So I actually sustained an injury, but I didn't think it was appropriate at the time really? to complain about it. Surprise. Because we had a teammate who had properly injured herself, so I thought, ah, oh, it's not a great crowd. So yeah, as I was scoring a try... Oh, here we go. Slip that one in, Joe, <laughs> didn't you? As I was scoring, I was scoring the my... winning try in the final, waving to the photographer. One of my many tries I had on Saturday with all my force, dropped to the ground to score this try. But as I dropped to the ground, I didn't drop straight on the ground. I dropped onto my boot, which was pointed up with the studs and landed on my vagina. <laughs> Jocelyn. What? I'm trying to picture how you actually managed to do that, Jodie. Like, that's... I'm flexible. Talk us through I, that again. I can't work it out so, in my head. <laughs> for some reason, I put my foot pointed upwards as I dropped my full body weight onto my studs and I bruised all my vagina. Luckily, there was a <laughs> uh, physio with an ice pack. So I just sat on the sort of dead ball zone with an ice pack in my crotch for a couple of minutes until I recovered. I thought I was all fine and good. Then I went to the toilet and I thought, and it stung. So I ripped a lip and it's all bruised. Oh, and oh. I can't even sit properly now because I've properly oh. bruised everything down there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people try for years to do that in yoga. <laughs> and, and you did it like by accident and ripped a flap accidentally on purpose it was just painful but obviously i couldn't whinge about it because we had like proper proper injuries so i was like ah oh, i'll keep that one to myself or like working up to like a chat up line i, I can't work out the actual <laughs> biomechanics of that so i basically sat on my foot basically my you foot. sat on your own foot yeah. yeah it's like it's like a bit of a yoga yoga pose but with the studs of your boot right up there with great force <laughs> my whole weight went onto it it hurt but i was too like happy about the try that i was like oh yeah oh 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 was it oh, like a runaway try as well down. it wasn't like was it just you on your own going to the try line or was there like a yeah. melee of people yeah i turned around and literally faced the person who's chasing me and, like, <laughs> and then dropped to the floor <laughs> and then <laughs> sat on your own oh, foot yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what sat the on the fuck. So if it was naked rugby, I think that a lot more damage would have happened. Oh no. 
No. Well, it depends if you cut your toenails or not, I suppose. He was the oh, stunt. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, the stunt. Yeah. I love the way that it's okay to talk about rugby stunts, yet, yeah, like toenails no. is just a no go area. No. Like, eat rugby well, stunts into the vagina is fine. Toenails but... in the vagina, not okay. No, not nice. But when I looked over at Jodie, I kind of uh, saw her faffing around on the floor <laughs> and I went, Jodie, are you okay across the pitch? And she just went, <laughs> yeah, like I had no idea what was going on until after. But talking of toenails, actually, Reed, do you remember when I lost oh, my toenails? Yes, I do. It's still ingrained in my memory. You were swimming in the outdoor pool training for oh the triathlon. Yeah, and I was I turned up late, <laughs> quite on trend for this chat. You were were swimming, and then you go, oh, hold on a minute, Reed. Here, can you just take my toenail? It's just oh, God, no. and you handed oh. me your big toenail, oh, and I was like, oh. <sighs> this was a rugby injury. It was a rugby injury. Someone has stood on my toenail, and everyone knows the horrendousness <laughs> that you go through for the process of being stood on, which is just sickening. Yeah, it makes your stomach yeah. go. To it going through the stages of yellow green no. black purple no. and then it drops no. off and then it's just like a relief because then you're like yep can go again get another toenail and we go again and now my toenails looking pretty blue and nice mm. and you know painted but yes we did do one for the team and i remember walking to the bin like the the uh, walk of shame in the morning putting the toenail in the bin <laughs> just but, yeah. as well i'm not very squeamish isn't it it was a best friend thing, and you were just like, yeah, I've got this. I'll take this to the bin now, Mal, thanks. That's pretty revolting. Yeah. So, overall, Seven's glad to be back out there, or did you realise quite quickly that Seven sucks? I love Well, that. it didn't suck for me, because I had my knee pads on. Everyone else was <laughs> moaning about their knees being sore. However, now I need to invest in elbow pads, because I've lost my left elbow. You need some kind of raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a box, a cricket box. Yeah. She can wear it. I got a spare uh, one. A box. Yeah, no. it, say no, Jody. Say no. Second hand. No, thank you. you. Share a cock you can wash box. it first. Christ. Yeah. Do women wear boxes in no. cricket? Do you know what? I don't know the answer to that. I reckon they would do. Right, get on Google. Go on, read. Uh, get on the Google. Done. Do women wear boxes? They wear like chest protectors. I'm not entirely sure why. Because it fucking hurts if you get hit in a tit with a cricket ball. That's why. But I imagine it'd be quite an unusual situation where you get hit in the tit with a cricket ball. Yeah, but you don't want to take the chance, do you? Women cricketers do wear abdomen guards whilst batting. Wicket really? keepers or while close in fielding. Because like men, women's delicate parts need protection too. <laughs> Made that sound like a shaving <laughs> coat. Uh, <laughs> the female version has a kit with box cup and an abdomen guard i love how whatever man wrote that he's just like discovering that women feel pain as well like oh my god they have human bodies too oh god they're the same things though is it different it looks like a sumo wrestling belt with padding down to the bits uh and then there's there's ooh, there's cup bits but they've got like ventilation slits is it like I'm, a bomb bag you say, put your sandwiches in there it's not the sexiest thing i've ever seen in my life thank you for tuning to grassroots women's cricket thank you for listening <laughs> yeah the, the spin-off it's basically <laughs> gonna make you look like you've got a cock basically it's that big 
But I suppose if it's going to protect the flaps, then who's to argue? Something highly comical when people get hit in the box in cricket. It makes a particularly great noise. You're like, that kind of noise. And they get hit. And then there's usually a bit of groaning and maybe some um, sniggering from the players watching it. It's quite funny. I do think they are quite funny looking. Not that I've spent a lot of time looking, but they do look quite medieval sort of codpiece situation. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) but it's not that big though, is it? The problem is sometimes like because of the way they're shaped, I'm assuming you know what they look like shape-wise. I suppose they look like a bit like half an avocado. If you get hit directly on the box, the the way it's angled means that your your painful bits aren't actually protected particularly. So you almost really should wear it upside down. So what ends up happening is you get hard plastic compacted into your nuts, basically, which is extremely painful. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> it is really funny when it happens. I'd never known it was called a box before. And all I can hear is being hit in a box and I'm thinking of something else. That's like a yeah. chat up live to you, isn't it? Hit me in the box. Can I put oh, balls in your box? Anyway, moving swiftly on. So we're about that, that point now where people are starting to come out of their what's the word? Their breaks and starting to think about pre-season. So this is a bit contentious, isn't it? For, for everybody that out there that thinks, right, oh great, you know, we've got got to get pre-season sorted, we've got to get a plan together, we've got to set the date and all the rest of it. There's a load of other people that just think, no, nah, I'm all right, thanks, mate. I'll come back at the start of September. So where are you guys at on the when you should start pre-season versus how much break should you have scale? Personally, I don't like a break. I, I you don't like a break? No, because my whole rhythm sort of dies out and I'm like, oh, can rugby be back yet? So the sooner it starts for me, the better. I hate having a break. Although I've enjoyed having not my head knocked in for a while. Um, <laughs> it's been great. But I just miss it. I miss like the fitness and just seeing people and chatting, the social aspect of it. I miss it all. So personally, don't want a break, but I know you need it. I know everyone needs a break and sort of rest to sort of recover. It's difficult. Because I think that I agree with Jodie from the aspect that, and I'm not trying to sit on the fence here, like rugby not being in my life on a weekly basis, I find very difficult. I'm not having that routine and not having that outlet. Like work's really stressful. My mental health struggles when I haven't got that kind of like being able to smash somebody or having that real push in fitness, etc. And I think what I was saying to um, John the other day was you can – train off field all pre-season like before pre-season during pre-season but nothing really compares to the actual game so for example on sevens on Saturday blowing obviously there was heat it was hard work etc etc but no amount of pre-season gives you that kind of outlet and and pushes you that much when when you're not playing and everyone no matter how much pre-season you do you will go onto the pitch for the first game of the season or a friendly and you will die because that's what happens I do think that people need that time for their bodies to rest and to recuperate and kind of take stock of the season and digest what's happened especially for these teams that have got promoted or got demoted or equally if you're just staying in the same league you need to be able to kind of digest what's happened think about what your aims are especially for the people that want to retire or people might want to change position 
or people might just be like actually is rugby everything that I want it to be is it worth the sacrifice because then when you ramp it up again and I know we joke about every year every year in about November December or sometimes later in February I'll go no can't do this anymore it's too much and I'll have the same conversation with Batty and Lou but it's about what does rugby bring to your life? Is it your outlet, your social circle? And do you get enough out of it? Or actually, do you think, no, maybe I need to coach. Maybe I need to ref. Maybe I need to take a step back for a season. What does that look like? And I think you need that kind of two, three months to restock and refocus what you want to do. Yeah, totally. I think it's good to get, I mean, look, you know, I, I appreciate fully what you're saying about the importance it has for you, for your mental health and, I know from personal experience that I needed to just stop and not think about it for as long as I could until the new season became honest. So for me, that meant probably August to mid-August. That would be when I'd start to start thinking, you know what, probably about time we started playing rugby. In the run-up to that period, I just needed to not be around it because for me... I think for me, because obviously I play cricket as well, so the cricket season starts and I switch over mentally to that and I don't really think about rugby, but it's full on, you know. You know, I must have been in, by the end of the season, six different chats on my phone from various different groups. You know, you've got under-15s boys coaching, the women's group, coaching group, a parents group, an exec group that I don't even know why I'm in. And then there's little groups that are just added on to talk about some issue that was happening or something like that that they didn't get used for various other things. And so it's just a bit incessant, really. But that said, we went out and did a, a session last week, Goose, didn't we? And obviously, Lou, you were there too. Yeah. And I was a bit kind of I was. grumpy about going. You were. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had a busy week and it was a bit like, oh, gosh, I don't need to go and do that now. But actually, I really enjoyed it. And I'm really glad I went out. It was nice to see my friends and lovely to sit out and have a beer, do you know what I mean? As well as actual coaching bit. So I don't know, I see both sides of it. I was there for the beer. You were there for the <laughs> beer, Lou. And the moral support. <laughs> I'm totally retired. I'm just there for the beers, the banter, and seeing friends. And actually, it was really nice to go um, to the club on Wednesday, be a bit involved in trace rugby, see all you guys sweating your sits off, doing stupid touch rugby. It was nice to see you guys and have a beer after. And I miss that. That's what I miss during the off-season. Bring on the season! And you lot doing the fitness and <laughs> me just watching you with a pint. There's uh, <laughs> a question, though. So, a serious note, right? So, what do you reckon is the optimum amount of pre-season time? Because clearly starting rugby a week before the first game is a recipe for disaster but equally starting training in june for a september season which some teams are actually doing by the way is excessive you know where do you sit on that scale i think you have to take in consideration the weather as well because you don't like we had the weekend with such hard ground with all the injuries that occurred you're just gonna create more and more injuries going up to the pre-seat before they even start and you're gonna kill off half your team because they're all out with injury by the first game so the earlier start the harder the ground's gonna be i would say mid-august no early august i think because that's when it starts to rain a bit more you're less likely to get those niggles coming in but then it gives you that chance what a month and a half a month to get your fitness back up learn skills sort of gel together as a team again work together get used to your new positionings 
but then it's also hard as well because that's around the time of school holidays so you get a lot of people being infrequently turning up and it doesn't really matter when you start anyway because people just turn up when they want to a lot of the mums aren't going to start going back until September when they can when they've got childcare, when they can get rid of the kids it's going to be a lot difficult for them to turn up in the summer holidays when you've got holidays booked or you're with the kids 24 7 so I think it's irrelevant you can start whenever you want the players are the, the ones that pick when they want to start yeah what are your views on pre-season friendlies then I've made my feelings known on this subject before Right, hang on. We're not going into this. I'm not having the same conversations last year. Just before Jodie's bit finishes, my frustration with pre-season is a lot of pre-season is spent catching up people that have done absolutely nada through the whole off-season. So that's absolutely fine at a lower-level team. For us, as a, and I'm sure, Goose, I've had this rant with you many, many a time. time. For us... As a Championship 2 team, when people get to November, December and they've done absolutely no fitness outside of rugby and they then hit peak fitness while the others are excelling, that's really frustrating. So August is a great time to start pre-season if the other people in your team do fitness outside of rugby. But quite frankly, some of the people on our team and outside in the women's game go to the pub, lift their left arm to their mouth and don't do anything outside. And that's totally cool if you want to play in a lower league or you just want to play rugby for fun. I have no problem with that because that's what rugby's about. But when you're playing in November, December and you hit the trenches and the, the rain's coming in and it's cold and you need that bank of fitness and we don't have it, we lose games and then people get upset. So I think it's about balancing fitness with enjoyment. So touch in the off season is amazing because some people won't do any other fitness outside of rugby. So even if they can come once a week and do touch, I think that's great. But I get really frustrated and when I was injured, like I used to go mad because I couldn't exercise. I get so frustrated when you get to kind of September, October and you're playing a game and someone's still blowing out the hoop. Not because they're not a good rugby player or anything like that, because they didn't do anything in the off season apart from drink, which is great. But then you can't moan that you didn't get selected, if that makes sense. So it's just like, if you want to play social rugby, Great, drink all off season, don't do any exercise. That's what rugby's about. Being unfit, dying in pre-season, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you want to play at a higher level and you want to win the, you know, the kind of cup final and get promoted and stuff, that's the type of thing we need to be doing. We need to be working in the off season. I've been guilted yeah. into going to the gym tomorrow then, haven't I? <laughs> but you know what you know what I mean? Like you, what one thing for me is you can't be moaning that someone's got picked in your shirt if they've gone to the gym four or five times a week in off-season and they're telling you in pre-season fitness and moan that you're not getting selected and you're like, oh, well, I think we should have a half a game rule. Well, okay, that's fine. But did you do anything in off-season? No. Well, so I'm sorry, but I think take- for, for me, when I was playing, off-season was a great opportunity to do sports that weren't rugby, that were more summer sports. And I think that is a great addition to your fitness to bring you back into playing rugby 
you know, in late August, September. So you do park run, you do paddleboarding, you do swimming, you do all the summer fun stuff that is actually really fun in the sun, but is also really good fitness. If you can't do that, then you need to nail the absolute pre-season and the touch rugby. And if you want a summer off, fair dues. You know, if you want to drink, fill your boots, whatever, do nothing, that's okay. But then you have to absolutely nail the pre-season. For me, it was like, do the summer sports and, and enjoy the weather. I think what we're effectively saying is going to festivals is not fitness in the summer months, but keeping active and keeping healthy and yeah, recovering good. Is, is good. But you're absolutely right. For me, when that button's pressed for pre-season, whether it's middle of July or whatever, you have to make that effort and that commitment. Otherwise, well, first of all, you're going to get hurt. Secondly, you know, if your squad's big enough, you won't get picked. And that's kind of the end of it, really. The bit for me is, like Lou said, go and do other stuff. It doesn't have to be rugby. But if you're sat on the couch like a potato then you can't moan that other people are beating you in pre-season. And I think, like, Goose has been doing PT, haven't you, Goose? Like, yeah. sessions and Yeah, stuff. I've actually been paying someone to beast me, which... Are you ripped? No. That is my downside, Batty. I've had, like, four sessions with her, and I still don't have any abs. Like, what is what am I paying this woman for? How's the upper body? Have you got... Pretty any, strong. Have you got any sculpting? Pretty strong. Upper body is pretty strong. So roll on the scrums next season. What position are you going for next season? Second row. Second row? That's where my natural... I'm on that evolutionary scale, Lou, of the rugby player's natural... Started on the wing. Started on the you wing. forward a position. Went, went to fullback, came back to wing, went number. to scrum half, now I'm in the second row. Like That's just yeah. the natural wow. progression. There you go. Yeah. I reckon with 35 onwards, every year you go down a number. I'm, oh, if, my God. I'm never going to front row. <laughs> Next season, you'll be front row. Not a chance, Lou. Not a fucking chance. Oh, yeah. I, come see me. I'll give you the inside scoop. I don't you'll know. Fine. She'll give you I'll the skills. She'll give you the cheeks. No, no, no. I'll feed you up on chicken wings and peroni, and then I'll take you upstairs to the gym, and then, yeah, we'll be sound. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's an offer you can't refuse. I was going to say, just for the food side of it, I'll, look, I'll do it. I am currently eating uh, Jack Daniels chicken wings, Aww. halloumi fries, and Pinot Grigio in a gin glass. So, oh, yeah. what? See, whereas I had Did a Did you get delivery from chili. your own restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get delivery from my own restaurant. I got takeout from my own restaurant before I came home. <laughs> nice but why do you need things in your fridge when, when you have got, a restaurant yeah exactly right? that's the benefit isn't it Lou I also brought wine back from the restaurant <laughs> as well another benefit I order extra so that I can bring it home <laughs> so it's fine sorry to kind of go back to the pre-season stuff as much as I'd love to just eat chicken wings and drink Peroni because that is my dream pre-season <laughs> the other thing for me is overtraining. so for example we played sevens on Saturday Everyone kind of like said, oh, the pitch was too hard, et cetera, et cetera. I've had a long conversation with the the new captain, Green Antwich, and other people. And actually, John, about the conditions on Saturday. And he was talking to me about South Africa. Yeah. And about the how hard the pitches are in That's South horrendous. Africa when they play. Did they just suck it up. Yeah. Yeah, and my worry is if you don't train, whether that's fitness, tackling, go to pre-season, you're actually a lot more likely to get an injury because you're not conditioned to play. So 
not just saying the hard pitches, but sevens injuries are more prominent because people aren't conditioned to rugby in the off season. The pitches are hard. The fall that you get is more the force you're going through with no give in the ground, etc., etc. But if you don't do pre-season and you don't do anything outside of rugby in the off-season, you are much more likely to get an injury than if you do something. So whether that's weight training, running, all of that, because your body's not conditioned to take the the toll of it. So it's kind of like, absolutely have your off-season, go do your paddleboarding, it'll work on your coordination, all the things that are transferable into rugby. But as long as your core fitness is improving, you're going to be able to sustain more force, more kind of durability, all of that when you play. And if you've done nothing, you're going to get injured ultimately, whether that's a pull, a sprain, a break, et cetera, et cetera, because your body's not conditioned to it and you've not built the strength. So I think my thing is if you can do something, no matter how small it is, just do something in the off season so that when pre-season comes, your lungs don't burn like fuck. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. And if it can be a bit of touch and if it can be a bit of rugby-based stuff, then perfect. But if it's not, it's got to be something that's got to keep your core going and keep you tough, ready for the next season. Friends, follow Route 51 to Nantwich. Kennedy's American Diner is the big red, white, and blue building with a big welcome and big portions of authentic American favorites. Great coffee, big breakfasts, bagels, lunches, milkshakes, sandwiches, incredible burgers, hot wings, nachos, mega vegan options, cocktails, and much more. Cheers! Kennedy's American Diner, open all day, every day on the High Street, Nantwich. Visit kennedysdiner.co.uk. Happy days! So, Goose, I'm going to ask you a bit later on in the recording for a little bit of an update on the Nomads team and how it's looking. Okay, yeah. To give you a bit of a minute I'll or two to prepping. prepare. <laughs> I really but, hope it's as good as my team last year. Yeah. Fucking groundbreaking. <laughs> that was the best. Time. That was just so super. Can you imagine that? You know, the Lions, when they when they hear the, the announcements, it's on Sky Sports <laughs> and there's Alex Payne and their families appear with a blazer and a cap and all of that. You couldn't even get their fucking names right. <laughs> yeah. You did all right, you know? though. Can we talk about Poppy Cleo? Oh, yes, yeah, please. I heard that she's been in trouble. Yes, please. So it's her birthday today, which is a bit of a shitter, and she posted on her Instagram, not the best birthday, and I was like, no shit, Sherlock. But ultimately, I don't know exactly what happened, but apparently she's like soft, whatever this is, soft head-butted this, the coach. Yeah. What's a soft headbutt? Was this... It's not, it's not know, a Chelsea it's like handshake, a soft handoff. basically. It's just a... A flaccid penis handoff. <laughs> it was, yeah. It, apparently, <laughs> this is what's happened. Like, flaccid penis handoff in the heat of Germany. I don't really know what's happened, but it was in the tunnel, Yeah, it was at half-time. So, anybody who hasn't seen the Premiership semi-final between Chiefs and Saris, it's a great watch. So, it all got a bit testy kind of going into half-time. And apparently Poppy Keel has flaccid penis headbutted one of the coaches of the Exit Chiefs team whilst in the in the tunnel. You just got announced in commentary, like, oh, there's been a bit of something happening in at half time and whatever happened, it worked for Chiefs because they came out firing and absolutely stuffed Saris in the second half. But yeah, it I'm trying to get to the bottom of what happened. I'm tapping into some 
into some contacts to find out what happened. Can someone clarify what a soft headbutt is? Is that just like a... I think it's where you or... like lean your head against them rather than actually kind Oosh. of pulling it back so and whacking them with it. clarify there were no penises involved? No. no. <laughs> so basically she gave them a forehead kiss with her own forehead. <laughs> but with a bit of force, I, I would imagine. She didn't like pull her head back and like launch it, if that makes sense. I don't see what the problem with this is. It's aggressive. There was no need for it, Batty. It's, it's half time. Not in the spirit of the game. You should not be going up and being violent or aggressive, intimidating in that sort of sense at half time, going into the changing rooms. That's just unnecessary. Wow. I was hoping that was more of a story. When I first saw the headline, I was like, excellent. She's properly gone in for a flying headbutt, a full on erect penis poking the eye. Like, I love how this is the thing now. No, but seriously, what we've got to think about, and this is not, I don't know what Poppy's done. Like, you know, it could be completely blown out of proportion, but you've got to think these people are role models. They're in the public eye. And I think this highlights how women rugby players now are in the public eye. So all the controversy with like Joe Marler and stuff, like when he supposedly bit someone and all of that, we wanted all of this. We wanted the limelight. We wanted everyone to notice us. I say us like I've headbutted somebody. You probably but have. Now we, it, well, <laughs> apparently I was too aggressive at Macclesfield. The ref told me to, to calm you've down. You've got form for this, Lady. It's not the first time you've been told to calm it down a bit. I can confirm that Jodie's tackles on Saturday were far more aggressive than mine. I actually let this 50-year-old woman run past me because I felt sorry no, for her. And then I was like, Jodie, you can yeah. confirm. And I was like, great run. And then I tackled her because I was like, sorry, Susan, you're not You're like, scoring. I'm not going to tackle you head on. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an edge. So you gave her like five foot glory and then you took her down. Yeah, but in my defence, Stoke had never played before. Like this was their first game, so Jody can kind of say, "Oh, yeah. we saw, yeah, we scored all these tries." But this team had never played before the first game, <laughs> so we we can kind of say, "Oh, yeah, me and Jody scored loads of tries." But actually, these people had never tackled. Oh, before. right. So, so you I scored loads of tries against a team <laughs> who have never played before. Can I just say, I scored a try in every game we played, <laughs> just to clarify. Uh, against teams who have never played before. Yes, not everyone plays. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, no, well no. done. Yes, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, we wanted the limelight, and we got it. And now Poppy's like, "Well, I've headbutted someone. I don't want the limelight right now." So either someone's kind of like catastrophized the situation, and she hasn't actually headbutted, which is quite possible, or she has done it and we've got the limelight now and we need to deal with it as in she needs to step up that is a it. really good point molly actually because yeah they've been thrust into the public eye they have to deal with the additional scrutiny that comes with it look i don't necessarily think i agree with a lot of it i think sometimes sports people are made to be accountable for things that happen in the heat of the moment when they're executing you know high level skills at extreme pace or whatever so I think sometimes, like, a lot's made of not very much. But, yeah, this is going to happen more and more, isn't it? There's going to be more and more scrutiny put on players who maybe have bad games or who, if you think about, what's um, name got red card in the World Cup final? Lydia Thompson. Lydia Thompson. Had that happened four years' time at the next World Cup, everyone might well have piled in. Because you imagine in the men's game, if that had happened in, I don't know, 
Elliot Daly or someone had made that tackle and been Ray Carded, they'd have been absolutely lynched in the press. That's right. You know, whereas everybody was pretty sympathetic. And I know that's maybe a difference between the way men and the male and female audiences react to their sports heroes anyway, perhaps. But there was very little scrutiny and real criticism. One or two voices were saying, well, she should know better and all the rest of it. But it's going to happen and the players need to be aware of that. So I'm just reading a news article about Poppy Cleo to try and get to the bottom of what's happening. And apparently an Exeter coach was unhappy that she'd been in the ear of the ref when they were going down the tunnel and shouted something at her, which antagonised her, which then led her to the soft headbutt, which caught... She she yelled at her, I'm going to fucking nut you, you stupid coach. Caught him under his eye, basically, yeah. (laughs) And then there's some of this, you fucking some of this, yeah. Then (laughs) Sari's coach got involved as well. They all rounded on the exit coach, shoving him against the wall. It's all a bit of a tit for tat, basically. Oh, God. I love that sort of shit. I know. Yeah, but bring like, it on. As we all say, like it's this trajectory that women's rugby is going on, isn't it? In that these things are being reported more and more, more and more often, but will be reported on. Yeah, uh, but has this shit not just been happening all the oh, time? Oh, yeah, all the time. women's rugby becomes more publicised and out in, in, yeah. in, in the public forum that actually people get to know about it well probably is it that mm. much different from men's rugby no. probably not and what you're going to find as well i suspect is there will be corners of the press that are looking for opportunities to tell a negative story about women's women's sport well it's a you story know, it's, isn't it yeah because in the main the stories have been pretty positive you know but i remember watching and i don't want to diss on the cricketers particularly but i remember sitting watching England against Australia. Uh, I, I think it was like a limited overs game, uh, women's cricket. And England were absolutely woeful. I mean, appallingly bad. And it, had it happened in the men's game, there would have been absolute hoo-ha. Players would have been sacked and never played again. The coach would have been, lost their job and all the rest of it. And I think there will be a part of the press that will think, now's the time. We can, we've done the whole goal power thing. Now we can knock them down. I don't think it's knocked them down. So with men's rugby, brilliant. Of course they are. But it's not about the wins and the losses sometimes. It's about the ridiculous things that happen or the slightly spicy things that happen or the not so great things that happen. So for women's rugby, it's been very predominantly the brilliant things that have happened. Let's build it up, build it up, build it up. There haven't been that many stories about oh my God, did you see what so-and-so just did on the pitch? Oh, did you see what so-and-so just did in the Did you see that girl kick herself in her own <laughs> vagina? <laughs> yes. You know, so this is just like a few years back from where the men's game is now. Do you know what I mean? Knock on, knock off. Um, am I allowed a wee break? Yeah. Normally, the, at this point, you have to go get a pen, Jodie, as well. So yeah, yeah. Have you got uh, everything you need, Jodie. No, I haven't. I haven't done it. I, I'm sorry. I've just been so. You've not prepared. Knock on the cough. I know. I don't usually not. Not right. I've got the book. We're limited. I'm not going to do what I did what last time, book? but I'm going to go. Right, this book has been chewed by Luna and is called the Rugby Quiz Book. Five hundred questions and answers. It's not, well, it is copyrighted, so I'm not going to get in shit for it. However, there's no women's questions in it, so I don't want anyone to think that I'm 
being a dick. Jodie, you're going to have to keep score because I feel like you've done half a job here. Wait, I need to get pen and paper. That'll do. I'll get this old envelope. Okay, question one. Are we ready? I'll I'll go through the people. Stadium Australia lies in which city? And we'll go Goose first. Oh, Melbourne. Okay, read. Do I know any Australian cities? (laughs) 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 Just say Adelaide. Uh, Sydney. Okay, Matt Batty. Canberra. And Jodie. Or Goose (laughs) 2. And the winner is Louise. Sydney is the answer. (laughs) That's one point to read. Shut the actual front door. Well, that'll be the only one I score, so... But yay me. <laughs> positive Polly. Okay, <laughs> positive Polly. Okay, this is a question about Ireland. Oh, God. Ireland suffered their heaviest ever defeat in 2012, a 60-0 loss to whom? And we'll go read first. Uh, this is going to be New Zealand. It must be. Okay. Goose? Yeah, I'm going to go New Zealand as well. It's got to be. Okay, Batty. What was the date? Oh, for fuck's sake. It doesn't give it... Oh, 2012. Ah. We've not got the exact date they played or time. What was the weather like? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Jodie. South Africa. Okay, and that would be New Zealand. Yes! No. Go on, Liz. Go on, Liz. Shut (laughs) up. This is a fucking (laughs) smooth if win. (laughs) Two points to read, one point to goose. Right, Scotland. The Douglas Horn Trophy is awarded to the winner of matches between Scotland and whom? And we'll go batty first. The Douglas Horn. Horn, H-O-R-N. I'm going to say Ireland. Okay, Goose? Oh, it's going to be someone really random, isn't it? It's either going to be local or really random. Uh, Wales. Okay, Jodie. I'll go Ireland as well. Okay, read. Right. So, if it's a horn. Oh, mm. oh she's getting technical. Maybe. Either that or she's buying for time while she's on Google. No, I'm not Googling. <laughs> <laughs> I invented Google, so no. <laughs> I was going to say oh. Norway, like, because they used to drink lager from horns. <laughs> Uh, but Norway don't <laughs> play God. rugby, do they? So, well, do they? I don't know. Or do they? Um, right, there's a time. Do, Five, do, four, do, do, do. America! Okay, I can confirm that none of you fuckers got it right. It was Canada. Oh. oh. Lou is closest, technically. <laughs> These questions are very hard. We're not giving her another point. She's already got two. Okay, category. Oh, this is a good one. I like this. Worcester. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Chris Latham. <laughs> Rest in peace. What is her surname? Chris Latham <laughs> was signed by Worcester in what year? Oh, my God. So, I oh know, honestly, God. these questions are either really... You've just got to guess a year, though. Okay. The so nearest two, read. because it would be possible to get it 100%. Yeah, read. What the... <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. It's post-1990. Oh, but, who even is Chris Latham? 
I'm guessing he played for Worcester because he's in the Worcester <laughs> Okay. So from from when? After nineteen. From nineteen ninety, guess a year. Okay, let's go. Nine uh, two thousand and eight. Okay, Goose. Ninety seven. Okay. Goose two. <gasps> 2006. Okay, Batty. I'm going to say 2015. Okay, by some fucking sheer miracle, Reed has got it dead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck off! Google! Google! 2008. No. What? You're so cheating, Reed. I shit you not. What? Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Do you even know who this guy is? I don't even. <laughs> He's related to Molly. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no, what a G. I feel like we've robed off in terms of we've done a lot of men's quiz. So I'm now Googling women's rugby quiz questions because I feel like I need to <laughs> Who soft head bring it back to the top. <laughs> yeah, so basically what you're trying to do is all the work yeah. that you should have done. <laughs> yeah, but this is a piss take because we could just announce okay. who's the winner. Oh, this is a good Plus, question. That would be a very good question. This is going to be the nearest to how <laughs> many female, and that's women and girls, rugby players are registered across the UK? Ooh. Oh, my God. Are we talking thousands? When you hundreds? say girls, do you mean... Under 18 or anybody under- that's female at birth, right. according to the RFU, okay. females and girls are registered and play rugby do some maths in the here. UK. Really? How? What are you going to do? do? Pluck a number out of the We've got about 50 players by a million, and then we've got about 50 girls. So we've got 100 players on our team. And then you've got to sort of try and figure I out how many teams. We've got 100 players on our team. 100 right. women. Right, hang on. No, we haven't. <laughs> so it's, it's registered. Hang on. Jenny, so where are you getting regist- 100 people from? Regist- registered. Anyway. Okay. I'm not fucking registered. Oh I just play under the registered radar. Registered at the club. Registered at a club that are women or girls. How many are registered? Not just these flakes that come on and get a bit of a lesbian oh, fix. Girls. And then fuck off. Oh, <laughs> Red's the thing. Okay. Okay. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I am. Lou, go on then. 13,525. That's very precise. <laughs> I love it. Matt. I'm going to say 210,000. <gasps> oh, okay. Goose. That's, That's our dick number. Go. <laughs> Did you mean that? Uh, no. <laughs> In hindsight. <laughs> uh, 17,836. Oh my that's, Jesus. That's really low. No, but my reasoning behind my low number was because um Google Grace... told you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Grace plays, but I haven't actually registered her because uh, I don't pay. So she just plays in <laughs> the radar. So how many other parents do that? Lots. Okay, goose number two. Hit I'm me. gonna go around about how many people are at Twickenham for England, France. I'm going to say about 60,000. Okay. So, the exact number as of the uh, RFU is 40,000. I'm closest. Wow. Yes! yes! You are closest, wow. I've got a point! 
Yeah. Does that mean it's like 38,000 people don't listen to our podcast? <laughs> Where are you people? I'm not surprised you after the crap we've turned out tonight, not really surprising, is it? <laughs> well, I'm not being funny. I hope Jody's done the grassroots salute. I didn't Pack. do it. I've done my chat GPT team talk anyway. What you lot have been talking Okay, about. should we do that yeah. then? Because I feel like the quiz has, has sailed its voyage. Blue one. <gasps> Blue one. one. What? I'm not going to lie, yeah. if, if death was imminent and there was no time for anything oh else, God. probably have a massive one. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie, but off the back of that... Be careful, Louise. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. Fuck you. <laughs> um, Batty, are you going to the World Cup? I haven't got any plans yet to do so. This is just so Molly can say that she is. No, 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 because I thought that Batty would be going because he's French-speaking. I'm basically holding out for the fact that I'll probably get offered a ticket at some point. But I put in for the ballot and got zip. So, we shall okay. see. So, chat ZPT, so... <laughs> Never mind that. I won the I, quiz. I, you did win the quiz, well done. So, you guys have heard of chat GPT, basically. I've I literally only just opened it for the very first time today. So, I've I haven't not- already figured it out. I've not heard so, of this. What well, is it? It's amazing. So literally, I asked the question, right? So this is the question I ask. Is it right to rugby talk for when the team is losing? So imagine this, right? So you're playing against, let's call them Cronenberg, for argument's sake, right? So it's half time and you're, I don't know, five points down. And um, Paula from the sideline has been heckling. And she's brought on their star player. Batty. See, no, no. Batty, you're going to have to change the names. Okay. So, Paula. Paula. <laughs> Susan. So, pa- Susan. Karen on the sideline. Karen on the sideline has been heckling. And she's brought on her star player, whose name is not she's Alex. India. <laughs> 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 you need to rally the troops, right? Everyone's a bit down. It's windy. It's rainy. Goose has forgotten the halftime Haribo. Jodie's kicked herself in the vagina again. So this is what Ch- ChatGPT came up with as a way of motivating everybody. All right, everybody, gather round. Take a knee and listen up. I know things haven't gone our way out there on the pitch. But this is not the time to hang our heads or lose faith. We are a team and we just stick together through thick and thin. I want you to remember why we're here. We play this beautiful game because we love it. We love the challenge, the camaraderie, the feeling of fighting for every inch. We knew it wouldn't be easy, and we knew it wouldn't be, and we knew we would face setbacks along the way. Today is one of those setbacks, but it doesn't define us. Rugby is not just about winning; it's about how we respond when we face adversity. It's about the character we show when the chips are down. So let's dig deep, find that fire within, and show the world what we're made of. We need to stay disciplined. We can't afford to let the frustration get the better of us. We need to play smart, execute our game plan, and trust in the training. Remember our core values, teamwork, respect, and determination. They've carried us through the tough times before, and they'll carry us through now. I want each and every one of you to raise your game. Give it everything you've got. Leave it all on the field. We're a team of warriors, and we fight to the very end. I don't care about the scoreboard right now. I care about the effort, the heart, and the fight you show in these next few moments. Believe in yourselves. There you go. That's crazy, isn't it? It took like seconds to come up with. Um, can we just 
rephrase that to what Katie might have said. I like, can't do it. Fucking get yeah, you. Fucking fuck, 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 fuck them. Fuck, fuck them up the fucking arse. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be it. End of team talk. Off so there we go. So that's your task for next time, guys. Go on to chat GPT. Make it come up with a team talk that's a bit more realistic than that one that was actually quite lucid and use big words that some people probably don't know what they mean or can't even pronounce. I certainly want to come up with that. No, it's amazing. It honestly, it rewrites Crazy. a lot of my work emails. Does it? Batty, yeah. I have a generic grassroots salute, but before we go into it, it's about a head coach. Nice, do it. So my grassroots you just need a good finger right. out there, and then you'll be fine. Oh, wrong. No, <laughs> wrong one button. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is Molly's grassroots salute. I prefer the original one. <laughs> They're not right. I'm not gonna lie. I can't follow on from the finger blasting comment. Um, no jokes aside. All oh, right, dickheads. This is my moment. No jokes. So I just wanted to give a grassroots salute to everyone that's right. Fuck off. Just fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to mute myself. Right, Louise, you're on mute, dickhead. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad everyone. Right, my grassroots salute is to everyone that's looking for a coach for the head coach role because um, I've noticed that there's quite a few teams that are looking for a head coach and what do they look for? So, Millwall Venus Rugby are looking for a head coach and they're basically saying that they want a head coach for the men's and women's. They really want to make sure that they've got someone that looks after the men's and women's section. And my question to everybody is, is it possible for somebody to be a men's and women's head coach or should they just have a head coach role for one section? Depends on the type of coach, doesn't it? I think if it's like a director of rugby type role, where the coaching's more advisory than hands-on, then yeah, hands-on, no, forget it. <laughs> It'd be a nightmare. I would just say it depends on the person. Some people are just meant to be coaches for men's, women's kids. They are adaptable to all those situations. Some people are not. What makes a good head coach? Because I feel like we've never addressed that. Like, what makes a good head coach? For me, it's somebody that can... And obviously, this is quite an in-depth conversation. We probably need to address this on another pod. But a head coach for me is not necessarily someone that coaches all the time. They are over the whole, the whole section, so women's and girls or men's and juniors. They are giving their advice and, and having the playbook and transferring it across the age groups, but also making sure that they are overseeing everything that the other coaches are doing. And I think sometimes the head coach roles advertised as you must do everything. You must make sure that this happens, this happens, this happens. But it should be a leader role rather than a do role. And I think sometimes the head coach role is seen as somebody that takes the sessions, does the sessions, etc., etc. But they should be able to kind of look at their coaching team and go, you take this role, you take this role, I'll oversee it. And this is our game plan. And they don't necessarily have to take each and every session. 
And I think when they advertise for a head coach role, it's seen as you're going to be the head coach of Eccles Ladies. You're the person that needs to take everything. And I don't think that's always the case. I think you just like hit a million different subjects there, Molly. But <laughs> um... sorry. Well, that's next episode. Please tune in next week for the uh, for the update. It depends. On it depends on your club, though, doesn't it? If you're saying head coach for the whole club, head coach for men, head coach for women, head coach for minis and juniors. Yeah, it depends where your team's at too, because you know you really. Depends on your views on the subject, but player-led coaching is very much where the RFU want you to go, isn't it? To have more sessions run by the players themselves. So the head coach or the coach, whatever, is more there as an observer, as a kind of guide and, I guess, structure the sessions and the timing of the sessions and so on. So in an advanced team where there's loads of player leaders and some maybe some qualified coaches that are part of the setup as well as playing, then that makes sense. But... There aren't many teams at that stage, I'd have thought. And I think maybe it's just me being a bit old school, but I think women's rugby, and, and, and to some degree men's at grassroots, they do need that more hands-on, more involved person that's right in the weeds a little bit, maybe. I don't know. No, I agree. Yeah. Not a job I'd want. Who would want to be a head coach, hey? But what I would say is, from a women's perspective, I think the head coach needs to be overseeing the girls and the women's section from a grassroots perspective. Oh, totally. From what we're talking about. It can't just be, oh, you're head coach of the women's team and you've got no input into the girls' section. And equally, if you're the head coach of the men's section, you should be overseeing the academy, etc. Because you've got to look at that pipeline. You've got to see who's coming through the ranks. And I think the pipeline is key to be able to see what your future looks like. And you've got to make sure that those under 18s, the academy, et cetera, et cetera, are feeding into how the women are playing or how the men are playing. And if you don't have that, you're never going to have that pipeline. And I think sometimes that's where clubs kind of miss out. So where girls go off to bigger clubs, et cetera, it's because the girls aren't invested in the play or how the club's moving. And I think from our section, especially at crew, sometimes we probably miss out on people because they want to play higher rugby when actually they don't see what's in front of them, that we play at a higher rugby level and we've got all these plays, etc. because they want to go to a Prem club when actually someone else kind of outside of crew are playing the same playbook that we play, but they've just not had the coaching or the kind of input from the head coach saying, actually, we'd really love to see you play for crew at championship level because you know we've got all these practices in place and we'd like you to take part in that because we've not invested in them they're like well actually we're going to go to another club yeah i totally agree i I think one thing that's always massively frustrated me is there's nothing better than being with a club through a promotion and a growth period so players that like just go to a club because they're in you know, two leagues above where you're at annoys me because actually if if they were that good and that ambitious, then being with a team through the cycle of getting better and getting promoted is one of the best things you can experience in sport. It really is. Like I can't think of anything better than being involved in a good cut run or a season where it's really nip tuck and you get over the line and get promoted. Like just to not even bother going through that and just jump ship and go to a club that's got 
shinier facilities or whatever doesn't I just don't think that's a particularly good rugby education. No, I agree. I think sometimes because of the persona of other teams, it's more attractive because they've got more kit, more stash, more facilities, and that's what draws people to it rather than actually the ethos or the kind of club mentality. And I think if we can promote women and promote the game and we can be seen to be competing at that level, we can help people to to play at our club, kind of promote themselves and get them out there. Like Jacob from the men's team for crew is a prime example of that. So he's just represented North of England. He's played at crew. He's played at a lower level as such, but he's gone on to represent North England and he will probably leave and he will probably go to a better club that's got more facilities, more coaching, all of that. But I think it's about promoting that and getting those people the the kind of exposure. There's people in our club that are doing good things. So it's about doing the best you can at your local level and then excelling and moving on. And I think if you've got a good head coach, they recognise that and they move you on rather than you having to kind of say, actually, I'm going to leave now. They promote you to move to a different club because they recognise your ability and they recognise that you're playing out of your level and they move you on to different clubs without kind of like being possessive about it. And they kind of say, yeah, come back to us when when you've done your time. Play at the end of the day, for me, players need to just experience different facets of the game and I think you'll probably find a lot of players that go off to clubs that they seem that seem to be really attractive maybe don't enjoy it quite as much my worry is always that they rather than go back to where they came from or go back to a club that fits better with their skill set and personality they, they just quit and I've seen that happen a lot over the years where literally people just fall out of love with the game because they're not getting picked because they've gone up to a team that's too good for them maybe and rather than go back and make peace with where they previously come from they just stop playing and that that really sucks you know and that's terrible for the game really before we go don't forget to get your tickets for the grassroots festival 19th of august at avonmouth 12 o'clock start so you can meet rocky clark and Stella mills and a load of other extremely interesting people us included for just 10 pounds a ticket you can have a full day and play some rugby if you want to. And if you want to camp over, which is another option this year, which is brilliant for another £5, that's £15, you can actually stay the night and take part in the usual fun and games that happen after the match. So, yeah, um, tickets are available on www.linktr.ee forward slash grassroots rugby pod. Links in the description for the show. So get on it and we hope to see you there. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to episode 12. We hope you didn't waste too much of your day. To get tickets to the Grassroots Festival, click on the show notes link. Thanks also for entering our competition. We'll be announcing the winner in the next episode. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. A brilliant finish. This is Grassroots. Women's rugby from the roots up.